in this episode of Savannah, Georgia, Anything But Ordinary. The thing that I'm most stoked on recently was when I, in November, visited John Wayne Gacy's younger sister. Every single thing that was in his cell when he was executed, she actually cleaned out his cell. I own all that now. Hey y'all, I'm Shannon. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Savannah, Georgia, Anything But Ordinary. The Grayface Museum is one of Savannah's most unique museum experiences, featuring all things bizarre and macabre. It's also a record store, oddity shop, and pinball arcade. Oh, and it's haunted. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this episode. Listen as we sit down with Ryan Grayface, owner and curator, to find out how he went from a kid in Ohio to one of the biggest private collectors of the unusual, rare, and peculiar. Take a listen. Hi, my name is Ryan Graveface. Uh, I'm 40 years old. I own five different businesses in Savannah. The newest is called the Graveface Museum and is a museum of oddities and curiosities located downtown. Lots of weird stuff and, and, and free play pinball here. Yeah, and we're here at the Grayface Museum right now for this episode recording, which is... On site. Very fun to be on site. We're in an arcade room right now. And I'm opening in the next two weeks uh, next door to the Starlin Record Store, my Starlin Record Store, uh, another arcade with all the non-horror-themed games. Uh, So you're basically, you'll buy a day pass, 15 bucks for locals, for 24 hours that would get you into both spots so like if you went there at 11 p.m you'll have till 11 p.m here the following day that's genius or vice versa yeah so very cool very cool and so in Grayface records for people that aren't familiar is right next to starland yard in the starland district do you want to talk a little bit about that store and how it's different from the museum yeah so that's the flagship i opened that in uh, October 15th of 2011, so we're nearing 10-year anniversary time. So Grayface, I'm, I'm weird in that I name almost all my companies the same name, even though they're actually different companies. Uh, Grayface Records and, uh, and Curiosities is different than Grayface Records. Grayface Records started in 2000 when I was still up in... I think that even predated my Chicago existence. So that was Michigan. Um, And basically, as a composer, I was, I don't trust anyone because I'm a weirdo. So I just thought (laughs) it would be a good idea to control the means of production and manufacturing and whatnot. Okay. Listeners, you're going to hear people play pinball. (laughs) So that's uh, okay. Yeah, you're going to hear Freddy at some point scream, Freddy Krueger. Uh, anyway, so yeah, 22 years ago, I started Grayface Records, and I've put out, I'm at 171 releases. Wow. And I either produce them all, compose them all, uh, or simply just release them all. You know, there's some, obviously, personal aspect to it. Um, and then six years ago, I started TerraVision, which is basically the same concept, but all horror soundtracks. Okay, so they're not all the same genre. Like, you had done kind of a lot of things, and then... Yeah, so, like, Graveface is mostly indie, but, you know, I've done hip-hop. I've done light metal, Mm -hmm. (laughs) meaning, like, more so post-rock that's heavy, not, like, heavy metal, like most people think. Um, But it's a ton of psych and shoegaze and Mm -hmm. mostly stuff that I listen to. 
Um, and so I really wanted to get into archival stuff because I'm a huge horror movie buff. That's what I'm into is just finding shot on video, rare titles and bringing them to life. Mm-hmm. So that's that was the impetus for Terrorvision. Um, so I started that just releasing scores, vinyl scores of these obscure movies. The only thing big that I did was the Unsolved Mysteries TV show. I got 565 DAT tapes from the original 80s, 90s run and archived all of that, literally like 500 hours of music and then produced that into a triple LP box set sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, so that's like the largest thing that Terravision has done. Yeah. But mostly it's very obscure, very obscure movies. So uh, niche though. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so this October, I'm starting to do Blu-ray releases of some of those really obscure mm-hmm. movies because it dawned on me why I just focus on the music when no one else is touching these <laughs> bizarre movies. I am opening something called the Lodge of Sorrows uh, in hopefully the fall, we'll say September, October, which will be in an old railroad building on West Boundary. Um, And that will be an all-purpose event space. Because that was the second idea of the museum was to do that on this side. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, basically have half the amount of pinball machines and have a stage and do events. Various classes we're going to offer. Obviously, music. Um, I want to do weekly movie nights. But, like, the sort of stuff that Terravision is putting out. We're at the museum. Let's talk about the museum's been here. What When you all opened in, what, February of last year? Yeah. So, I've been renting this spot for three and a half years now. But we Mm -hmm. opened to the public Valentine's Day three weeks before the pandemic, basically. Perfect um, timing. Oh, I'm so good with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I have the best luck. Ask anyone. Uh, yeah, or is so, it a curse? I mean, yeah, it's just straight curse. <laughs> if you see the objects here, it's definitely a curse. <laughs> Some of the things in the first room I've had since my childhood bedroom, you know, like 10, 11, 12 years old. Talk about how people can find the, I guess, front door. So we're on East Lower Factors Walk, Yeah. which for people that aren't familiar is between Bay Street and River Street. It's kind of like the alleyway behind the warehouses that face onto River Street. So once people come through the alleyway, what, what will they experience as they walk through, kind of visualize for them what they'll see as they go through the museum? Yeah, so room one is is dedicated, like I was saying, to roadside America. So that is, I have, to my knowledge, the world's largest Homer Tate mummy collection. Um, he was a gaff-making artist, uh, mostly in the 40s. It's a lot of, you know, freak animals and stuff that you would have seen if you went on a vacation in, say, 1948, right? Um, because roadside attractions back then, that was like the heyday uh incredible stuff so you'll see just a teeny smattering of that in room one uh room one and a half is a little ufo nook and it's all it's pretty much all local ufo stuff most people don't you know savannah's so obsessed with ghosts that like i i don't know that i've ever heard anyone else talk about how many ufo sightings there are here and there are a ton so we tap into that a bit 
Um, and if, quite frankly, if there was more interest in that here, I would do an entire room because I, I love it. But that doesn't seem to get the sort of pull that I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, and then room two is massive and it's all sideshow stuff. It, it gets into the Gibsonton area in Florida. It gets into uh, Nico Dubarksy, who was a little person. His mom was a bearded lady and his dad was a quote unquote fat man. That's not me shaming someone. That's me <laughs> defining somebody. Uh, they, tr- the three of them were performing sideshow artists and traveled the world together. I now own everything. When Niku died at 91, he was the, uh, oldest living little person. So when he passed away, I acquired all of that. So, wow. uh, you'll see literally like, uh, you know, his mom's, marriage certificate to you know just like very deeply personal things to not personal things you mm-hmm. know uh like i don't know pitch cards and things like that so it's just there's a lot of just in terms of little people i own over ten thousand pieces uh and maybe i fit eight of those in the museum just to give you perspective of how much stuff i own that's not here yeah and quite frankly i don't know how to display them you know it's a lot of uh it's just a lot of stuff yeah so sidebar then you get into the either the death room or the uh there's a lot of odd fellow stuff in the next room i don't know really what the concept is other than it's just death Mm -hmm. (laughs) um then you get into the haunted stuff then the free play pinball which i view as like the palette cleanser then you go upstairs and it's kind of separated out in my head to where first floor is relatively kid friendly and then upstairs. I mean, it's still fine, honestly, but if if you have a sensitive person, you could just leave them downstairs and then go upstairs. And that's where all the cults and true crime stuff is. So That's good to know because I am a little bit squeamish and I remember being upstairs the first time I visited here and I was a little like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> But it's so fascinating. You like, it really is like, it's like you can't look away. You yeah. can't not well, read it's everything. It's just, it's so, it's in- interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Even if in a, like a sometimes grotesque way or whatever, but. I mean, humans are kind of grotesque, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> that we are. <laughs> and I'm not even getting into like anything specific, but I'm pretty sure everyone can agree that we're, we're kind of monsters. So. Yeah. And this museum just shows bits of it you know Mm -hmm. even like the sideshow stuff which you know they were toured the world as quote-unquote freaks uh, which i don't view them as freaks i view them as like the coolest people ever i I love any sort of anyone that's able to take a disability and make millions of dollars what you know what in today's money would be millions of dollars that's freddie by the way (laughs) um i think that's like the most impressive stuff ever and yeah, that's how I view the sideshow stuff. It's not like a, I know some people are like, well, it's depressing that you they were put on stage and then people would pay a nickel to poke fun at them. But that's not they're missing like the larger point, which is those people would just be living off of SSI, sitting in a bedroom somewhere, not making any friends and not making the money. Right. And some of these people made, I mean, more money than I'll ever make in my entire life. And we're talking just for having like a parasitic twin or something. Right. It's pretty cool. Right. And this is, I mean, that's 
a time when they weren't going to probably be accepted one way or the other. Correct. So you may as well, I guess, make some money off of it. Well, I'm sure it was and their now thought. you see like TLC and stupid channels like that have, I, I've never watched them. So I'm literally making up the names, but like my 700 pound lover, or I, mm-hmm. I literally just made that show up. But I think there's things like that uh, or like little people of Atlanta or, you know, now it's the same. Like, why is that not offensive? Why is that okay? But now, today in 2021, you can't have a sideshow. I mean, I'm talking true, true sideshow with little people, or because you would be making fun of them. So mm-hmm. it seems interesting to me that we, as a, as a society, have been like, you know, TLC has it right. We can poke fun at their weight this way, and we can poke fun at their height this way, but not in, not on a stage. It's very weird. Yeah. But I, those are the sorts of dialogues that i love to have in here because everyone's got a perspective and yeah and i'm as open-minded as you can get so i love to hear people's thoughts on things and the sort of organic conversations that come from people going through the museum are like my favorite thing on earth yeah i mean everything in here just raises so many questions and it's very evocative and makes you think a lot about human nature and just history and how people view each other and everything i think a lot of people think that this is mostly a true crime museum, but there really is so much more to it. I mean, it's almost not a true crime museum. Right. You know? And you're right. I I get that all the time. They're like, we're here at the murder museum. I'm like, no, you're not. You're here (laughs) at the Graveface Museum. The murder museum is one room. Like, and I will say, what's in that room is one sixteenth of what I own. You know, I own a ton more of of that sort of stuff. But but I I didn't want it to just be a true crime museum. Because... That's far too singular for how my mind works. Right. Like, that, to me, would be the most boring museum on earth. For me. For me. I've been to other museums that focus on it, and I'm bored. Are you continually rotating yes. things in and out? Yeah, every four months we do a swap out. And actually, June, the, the month it is when we're recording this, is a, a swap out month. So I need to get my arse in gear and <laughs> swap some stuff, but I've been so busy. So people can come you know, once or twice a year or once every year or whatever, and they can keep coming back and they're going to get an entirely new experience with all the new artifacts. I think that's, that's amazing because you really don't see that very often in most museums. You know, maybe they'll change one thing or one exibit, but. See, and, and the idea, and I don't have the money to do this, but the idea is that I would open a, at least a second location, if not a third location. I want to do one in Chicago and maybe even one as close to us as maybe St. Augustine or Charleston, something that I can drive to yeah. if I need, if some, something goes down. Because <laughs> um, I have that much that I can fill up to museums, to other museums. What's your favorite piece that you have? Uh, you know, I'm a hoarder, so that's impossible. Meaning <laughs> like, just like if you went to a hoarder and said, throw this so-and-so out and they couldn't. You know, you have to throw one thing away. What is it? They mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to do it. But I will say that um, favorites typically would be the newest acquisition that you're most excited about. Um, and so the thing that I'm most stoked on recently was when I, in November, visited John Wayne Gacy's younger sister and got every single thing that was in his cell when he was executed. She actually cleaned out his cell I own all that now and one of the things was this logbook 
this logbook I've been after since I was a little kid. I, it's in the only interview, the only video interview that Gacy ever did, uh, which was 1992. And he, there's Freddie again. Gacy goes through <laughs> the logbook in detail on this, you know, doc. And I was like, I want, I just wanted to see it. I wanted to see it because he logs every moment of his life in, you know, in his, in his hand, right? Yeah. Like people are paying, I don't know, say $500 for an autograph right now of Gacy's. This book is literally nothing but that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so up in the museum right now, it's set to, uh, it's open to uh, the last day of his life in his handwriting. He even made an entry for his own death, which he couldn't fill out because he was dead. So it's an incredibly heavy piece, um, you know, that I've been after for a really long time. And, and Karen and I have become very, very good friends. So um, it wasn't just an isolated collection. I got, I you know, that that's the thing about my collecting is I end up befriending the majority of these people. Right. Um, so like Karen is like the sweetest person I've ever met and I love spending time with her and chatting. So yeah, you're really like building relationships with the people that you have relationships with these pieces too. So right. And I've never ever in my entire life sold anything like that. I sell records for a living. Mm -hmm. I do not sell this stuff. So I think that's been the key is, you know, basically building trust but also really reaffirming that it's going to die here when i'm dead this will probably go on um i would hope and no one will ever flip it and that's to my knowledge there's not one literally not one other collector of this stuff not one on earth that hasn't sold so i'm i'm the guy um I'm not suggesting there isn't a private collector out there somewhere that's never made any money off of it, but that's a moot point because who knows what they have. It's a private collection. I don't know that it exists, but Mm -hmm. I'm saying as far as people that are in the public eye. So most people flip. They keep things for two to four years. They try to get at least double the amount of money that they paid for it. Uh, And I get that. it's, It's a business to them. I, To me, even as far back as 15, you know, I... Not, not at one point was I like, oh, this skull clown for 500 bucks will make me four grand someday or whatever the amount of money is. You know, I never, I just never thought of it like that. I thought of it as me archiving little bits of history. And originally it was just going to be for me, but clearly it's not now. The, the trick is knowing that something exists. If you know, and I know that sounds stupid, but like you might know that John Wayne Gacy painted and you might know he painted Pogo the Clown, but did you know he painted dot, dot, dot? You know, pick like a rare Gacy piece. And the answer is probably not. Right. But I do. So, and that's the power of, of this knowledge, right? If you know that exists, now it's, you can narrow your search. I'm not a loose collector. Like, I don't just want something just because. Like, I have to also be into the person or the case mm-hmm. or the subset I'm not a loose collector. Some people are just like, yeah, I'll take it all. I'm, I am not that guy. I do not want it all. That's why my hoarding is actually kind of interesting. It's a lot of very specific things. Well, there's a lot of thought that goes into it. Yes. Yeah, and you can see that in the museum too, that yeah. it's not just a bunch of stuff. Like, right. it, There's a lot of 
thought and connection to it and so much all the background information is amazing too i really have to compliment you guys on oh, that thanks. i mean that's all chloe yeah the, the first time i came here i think i was here for like three and a half hours just yeah, like it, reading it takes everything a while. and um because i mean i just i couldn't stop it was also interesting you yeah. know what is the history of this building in particular uh, it's cotton warehousing, 1800s. Okay. It was abandoned for, I've been told, many different years. I've been told uh, as many as 65 and as little as 35. But Oh, wow. Uh, I guess the point is it's been abandoned a, a long time. Right. It, it was abandoned when I moved in. And the last time I was here, I remember I was listening to... Uh, the recordings like on that CD Oof, player yeah. and you were saying, Oof. oh, the CD player, like, you know, sometimes it just stops working and it does. Yeah, and it's annoying. so can you, can you talk about, is there, is there, do you think there's any activity in this building oh, yeah. or like I mean, what's the weird stuff that happens? Like, why do you think it happens? All that kind of stuff. stuff that happens daily and it seems to be different every day. Um, which I used to think was odd, but someone that's into ghosts or whatever, paranormal, Mm-hmm. I'm not, it's not that I'm not into it. I just, I don't know. I'm such a skeptic, which is why I think I collect. Um, they told me that actually it's, <laughs> they called it proof, proof of paranormal if it's different every time. Totally random and will almost never manifest itself the exact same way twice because it's contingent on individuals, energies and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is me, t- <laughs> you know, I, no. I, I don't know. I don't I, I mean, don't that know. makes sense because everybody, every individual's energy is different. So yeah. it would have to be different every time. What happens here is literally different every day. And every day, someone reports something. Most really? of them don't even report it as ghostly activity. They'll just say, so this, this thing happened. And then we'll pull it up on our cameras. And it's like, huh, that's where that's. If we're, if we're going paranormal, that's probably paranormal. Can you give some examples of like what those things are? I mean, are? it's just weird stuff. Like um, yesterday, our Goosebumps dummy, just in the gift shop, it wasn't even in the museum proper, lunged at somebody. Somebody that was not even next to it. Wow. And we have it on video, and it's actually pretty compelling. Like it, it's not on an angle. It has no reason to get up and lunge at somebody. But the the dummy literally jumped at this guy. Jeez. He came back today because of it. Like, really? it freaked him out, but he came back. He, and, and, and we pulled the video for him, so we showed it to him, and he was all happy. So we're going to email that to him. But it's just weird stuff that you can't, you literally can't explain unless it's, again, if it was at a severe angle, you could say it fell, but it mm-hmm. didn't fall. It lunged. It's a totally level surface. And we even tried to replicate it by like jumping. See, maybe there was a truck outside vibrant. There was nothing, nothing. There was nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's stuff like that. Um, in the, we'll call it the Jim Jones area, even though it's the cult area. Mm-hmm. Um, the only like common complaints there, and that's less ghostly, would be like shortness of breath, lots of pressure on their chests. That sort of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, and that's very consistent. I mean, 20 people a day consistent. No one ever talks about it the day of. They'll send a DM through Instagram and they'll say, I was in yesterday and something terrible happened. And it could be one of 5,000 things. But one of my favorite ones was right behind me. So this guy is playing the new Dracula game, not the 1970s Dracula game. 
and you see it totally clearly on the video to his left two games down is the freddy game and you see freddy the game play itself and i mean not attract mode where it launches a ball to try to get you to play when you're in an arcade but like the flippers are flipping on their own which is not physically possible uh and so he you see him stop playing the pinball machine and then he starts approaching it and as he's approaching it that entity or whatever jumps to the monster bash pinball machine and starts playing itself right in front of him and he gets all freaked out and like begs his friend to come over to to watch it and then it vanishes but it like two games in a row literally play themselves as though it's a physical person walking to both hitting the flippers so it's just crazy stuff and we yeah. have it all on video we have every almost everything that someone has reported we have yeah that's pretty wild. I mean, even like people reported like little poofs of air saying their name in their ear. You'll see it on the video, like them get real creep. You know that they, they react as though there's someone there and there's no one there. So it's kind of cool stuff. I yeah, it, full. It's a full immersive experience. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I I don't I have no interest in that being like the the selling point. You know, because yeah. I, I feel like that would take away to take away from the artifacts themselves. As far as what you have on display here and stuff, there's a really good balance of yeah. keeping people's interest, but it's so educational. And I love that every room or every exhibit ties it back to Savannah, right? Oh, yeah. there's, every there's single a lot room of has pieces. a Savannah yeah. tie. So is your wife just as into this stuff as you yes. are, or did you have to convince her to no. go in with, with you? No, I mean, the only reason, I, I am the sort of guy that would never have gotten married. Like I had no interest in that. Uh, I am very independent and very, I love being alone. Like I love being alone. So I just found somebody that is so similar to me. I, I am not an opposites attract sort of person. <laughs> like I just found another me, <laughs> uh, but way more talented than I could ever be. Like she's an incredible artist. Literally this place could not exist without her. Yeah. Uh, I, I am very fortunate to have her in my life. How far have people come in the past to see the museum? Someone, for whatever reason, drove from New York City. Like, drove. Not That's even a haul. Yeah. yeah. They said they just did it overnight because they knew that they wouldn't be able to get in on Monday. So they, mm -hmm. like, did the haul Saturday night. But even as just if we've been sitting here recording, I mean... 15, 20 people have just walked through this pinball area alone. So, but while we're on, kind of on the subject too, though, um, I know you guys, you guys are doing, you guys do special tickets for locals, right? Are you talking about the Ghost Club? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The Ghost Club is the best thing we have, as it's fifty bucks for six months, unlimited, and we do events for Ghost Club only. Plus, you get a Ghost Club T-shirt. I mean, that alone is worth it. I think. Well, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. so. When I get that arcade opened, that $50 will get you into both spaces. So literally 50 bucks to, to play, play unlimited infinite, for, yeah. you know, pinball and arcade games. And then obviously get into the museum. So it seems like a no brainer, especially if you have family that comes into town and yeah. like then you don't have to pay for your ticket. So, yeah, but. I think it's a great deal. So if you can tell our listeners where they can find you, where they can find information about tickets and um, just wherever you would like them to go to learn more about the museum. Uh, if you just go to grayface.com, there's like a million 
you can click to go to the Starland record shop. You can click to go to the museum. Like from there, it branches out into my record labels and television. The fact that anyone gives a damn about my dumb world that I've been cultivating for the past 20 years makes me thrilled. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Savannah, Georgia, Anything But Ordinary. This podcast has been brought to you by Visit Savannah, the official destination marketing organization for Savannah, Georgia and the surrounding area, produced by Tyler Edick and hosted by Shannon Lowry. Make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite listening platform, follow us on social media at Visit Savannah, and learn more at visitsavannah.com.